0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week it's going to be the turn of the American musician, composer, bass player and much, much more. It is the one and only Tony... Sales, sometimes Tony Fox sales, if you want to make notes. But um, he and his brother Hunt were part of uh, Iggy Pop's Lust for Life album, as well as working with David Bowie on his Tim Machine period. And um, also, he worked with people like Todd Rungren, Checkered Past, and much, much more. You're going to find out all about this within the interviews. So, there you go, all the way in California. We meet up and chat. Um, there's a few little issues at the beginning about sound which we had lots of fun sorting out and microphones. and I think one part of the interview Tony has to go off and get some water but luckily he was wearing some pants so um, I didn't have to see too much but it was a hot day so let's face it he was casual um, so this is it so after several minutes of casual chat we got down to that exciting subject that was the early formative years Tony it's over to you take it away
1: my first well, my father was um, an entertainer, but he when uh, in his earlier years in his career he was a disc jockey, and uh, but he you know uh, played mostly jazz, mm-hmm. and uh, so my as a, my upbringing I I was um, there was always jazz playing at the house, so I was aware of uh, uh, jazz players uh, uh, Charlie Parker and the uh, Kind of those kind of guys playing sax. And uh, 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 we'd, we'd have a number of musicians who'd come by the house as well uh, because my father's a very popular entertainer in the States in the yes. 60s. Uh, Soupy Sales. Yes. And um, so we had all kinds of people come to the house. And uh, uh, he, at one point he was doing three different, he did a kid show, but... In the early 60s, he did a jazz show at 12 o'clock at night for the adults. So he did a morning show for kids, a lunch show with them, and then he did a show at 12 at night for the adults' a jazz show. I mean, he had everybody on the show. He had uh, 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 Billy Holiday on the show. He had the Everly Brothers on the show. And, uh, but I mean, I didn't, I was too young at that point to meet them and whatever, you know. But um but so that was my my first uh, uh, exposure to music was jazz. But my aha moments came later on in the 60s when uh, we moved to California and uh, I heard a lot of Motown stuff. When I, well, we were living in New York and I heard a lot of Motown uh, stuff and I loved Motown and, and rhythm and blues. And then we moved to California and uh, all the surf music was happening out here. Beach Boys and Dick Dale and uh, all the the guitar bands, you know. uh, They they did a a lot of uh, instrumentals, you know. And actually, the uh, uh, Needles on the Beach, one of the Tin Machine songs, which is an instrumental, it sounds like a surf song, that was uh, based on the fact that uh, I had told Reeves and David a story about my upbringing my knowing the beach boys and uh, and that whole thing in california when i was very young and uh and we were walking outside in sydney australia and there were a bunch of hypodermic needles on the ground all over the place so we, called, we said let's call it needles on the beach
0: you know?
1: <laughs> yes yeah, that's where that uh, title came from
0: Yes. And during that kind of 60s period, I mean, there was this sort of optimistic period between, you know, 64 to 67, where 67 came into the summer of love and things were going well. You were at the sort of perfect age to experience that. Did you embrace this sort of hippie counterculture at that stage? Uh, The
1: the hippie thing didn't uh, didn't knock me out too much. I thought it was kind of dirty, you know, but I, I, I went to, I was at the original Woodstock. Um, a friend of mine had an a, a English store called Granny uh, uh, Takes a Trip. Right. Um, he had a, a he had he was going to sell T-shirts at Woodstock, and he asked me if I if I would help him and uh, and sell T-shirts with. Him. I said sure. He, he said, Well, you yeah, know, I'll get you taken to uh, uh, the festival. I said, I'm in. I'm let's go. So we we uh, we took a bus up to uh, Woodstock from New York, which is about an hour and a half to ride. And we get there and there's 500,000 people there. And it was just nuts, you know? Yes. And so we set up this, this little kiosk thing in the woods. And and we set it up and we started like getting ready to sell T-shirts. And I said, let's, I'm going to go get some need. So I went to get something. I came back and there's two people fucking in my sleeping bag. And, you know, talking about hippies. And uh, I said, I'm not into this. I don't I don't go, just, I don't fly with this stuff. And uh, so I I went, I was, my I lost my brother, Hunt. He was, he was there too. And I lost him. He was ill. So I I was worried about him. And I'm looking all over. I mean, this place is like, uh, I forget how many acres it was, but there's 500,000 people there. So I'm walking the perimeter of the uh, festival looking for my brother. And there there are these little, uh, like, Red Cross tents every quarter of a mile around the the, the lot there. Mm. So I would go into each one. And so, so I went into the, the, the second one I went into, I, I started to talk to this guy and he said, wait a minute. Is your name Pony?" I said, yeah. I said, your mom's on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how she got that number, but it was, it was just a coincidence, you know? Yes. And, uh, uh, so I, I told her, hey, listen, I lost time. I don't know where he is. So I kept looking for him. I found him finally and put him on the trunk of a car. Uh, I mean, it was it was a bumper to bumper traffic. It was like a parking lot, you know? And so I put him on the trunk of a car. Got, we got to a bus station and put the bus home into Manhattan. Yes. But, uh, so did you it was get to... experience.
0: Yeah, I could imagine. Did you get to see many bands or did you just... Did you get to see many bands or did you just... I didn't
1: get to... I didn't... Well, I, I didn't want to go sit in the In the main crowd of people were so packed and so nuts. They they wanted $5 for a glass of orange juice, you know, that kind of stuff was happening. (laughs) And I wanted to just get out. I had enough. I I heard a bunch of bands. And uh, a lot of guys I knew that were playing there but I, I didn't, I didn't want to stay. It was just too nuts. you
0: know. Yeah. And your, but before that, before that, you'd also been in Tony and the Tigers and it appeared on your dad's TV show, hadn't you? So right. you'd already I, sort we'd of. We'd been on,
1: on Toopy's show and we did a bunch of uh, uh, like record hop things uh, for uh, uh, a radio, a radio station in, in um, Manhattan Um K K R L A, I KRLA I think and yes. uh, cousin Brucey was the DJ his name was and uh, and we did uh we did some shows we did oh we did a uh, we did a show at the Steel Pier in Atlantic City with the with the original animals and right. that's how I met Eric Burden but we opened for uh we opened there in in, in Atlantic City at the Steel Pier it's like uh, this pier goes out over the water and uh, and then they also have this horse that jumps 40 feet from a platform into this tub. <laughs> and we shared a dressing room with the horse. Nice. So that was our remembrance of that, you know. <laughs> and and, uh, yes. and it was pretty wild. It's
0: because pretty also, wild. but at that stage, you were playing guitar. You weren't playing bass at that stage, were you? No,
1: at that point, I was playing guitar, yeah.
0: Right, and but you were also the vocalist, so you'd also discovered your your you'd also discovered your singing voice at this stage, yeah. haven't you? So was yeah. it, was kind of with, with a showbiz father like that? Was was it just natural that you were going to go on to, you know, the stage? Well, or- yeah,
1: it, it was. We my Hunt and I gravitated towards uh, music and and our instruments and and being brothers. Um, it, it was easy for us to bounce off each other you know rhythmically and and uh, we we felt like we were a group too, yes. you know
0: and uh, also i mean hunt hunt has the sort of you know he comes from a very jazz background doesn't he all his drumming heroes and sort of
1: oh yeah he's he's amazing he's
0: he's Hunt's the drum- amazing
1: It's uh it's the way he i mean there are you know i I work with you know dozens of drummers i i, I haven't met any other drummers that are, are quite as uh, specific as Hunt is about his instrument, I and mean, he tunes his drums. He, uh, he it's uh, he, the kind of uh, uh, information that he draws from is from. Uh, I mean, Buddy Rich was a family friend of ours, so Buddy yeah. Rich showed him uh, stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So he he had he had uh, input from, uh, and Shelly Mann was another uh, guy that was a, a close family friend. Yeah, he was a real big session player in California. He was a fantastic drummer. So these guys showed Hunt uh, his stuff. They showed him how to tune the drums. They showed him how to do his paradiddles and his, how to hold the sticks and the whole thing. So Hunt's Hunt's coming from a jazz background, uh, actually a more improvisational background instead of just straight four four rock. yeah and so he has a he has a, a, a quite a vocabulary. Uh, musically
0: yes and during that period because you were sort of 18 at you know the time Woodstock happened in California no did I was you... younger
1: than that I was uh I was uh 15 I think
0: 15 did you pick up on that vibe did you pick up on the vibe the, the, of the the Charles Manson kind of kind of
1: community um, no I didn't no there, it wasn't I recall that one guy got, got killed tractor ran over him but there, but it wasn't any violence involved. I mean, it was just a, a happenstance that that he was this guy. I think was probably passed out in the mud. Yes, a tractor ran over him. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was really. Uh, uh, it had rained for three days, and it was all mush. The the ground. It was an, on a farm. Yeah, it, it was all mush on a hill, and uh, you know there there are places for people to sit. I you know, uh, when they, there weren't seats, but there were, there was room for them to sit down on the grass, but it was a mess. Everybody was filthy and wet and cold. And, uh, yeah, it it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a picnic, you know, It it was kind of a drag to sit there.
0: I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. A, it was a national disaster in the in the end. Yeah. they had they had to call in the army to help yeah, them absolutely. sort it out, which was much. Yeah. How did you feel when the '60s? How did you feel when the '60s finished? Because you obviously had, you know, the death of Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, Hunt and I,
1: Hunt and I actually went to one of Jimmy's sessions. We went to the uh, the house burning down on the Electric Lady album. Right. Uh, we went to. We went to one of Jimmy's sessions, we uh, met him at, at a club in New York City called Steve Paul Scene when we uh, met Todd Rundgren, actually. And uh, uh, Jimmy invited us to a session at the studio at, uh, at the record plant. Right. And um, Electric Lady Studios, he called it. Yes. And, uh, it was pretty thrilling.
0: I would imagine so. And at that stage, yeah. he, did he have the band of gypsies? Was that his new? No, oh, it was before then. Right, so it was still. It was the before experience. then. It
1: was. It was just previous to the band of gypsies, but it was. It was after. He, it was sort of after the 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 experience wasn't happening a lot, you know. But he was. Uh, he was in the studio with. Uh, uh, not. Gary Kelgren was one of the engineers. Uh, forget the other guy. Was it name Billy it.
0: Billy Kramer? Was Billy Kramer part of that gig? Oh, uh, Eddie Kramer. Eddie, Eddie
1: Kramer. Kramer. Eddie
0: Kramer. That's who it was. Yes, and I think people like Steve Winwood was starting to hang out with him. Was wasn't he yeah. at that stage? So um, that was quite well, the interesting. The night
1: that we met Todd Rundgren at this club, which was just around the corner from the studio, the audience was uh, Led Zeppelin, Van Morrison. Um, who else? Um, I think uh, I think Hendrix was in and out, but um, I think Janis Joplin might have been there as well. but It was like it was ridiculous. I thought, yes. "How did I get here? What is this?" You <laughs> oh. know, I mean, it was it was pretty really, pretty wild.
0: Yes. And when did you make the move going from guitar to bass at this time? Uh, well,
1: I had I, I just uh, because my brother's a drummer. I, 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 and I'm a ryth- rhythmic myself, I, I wanted to get I was getting more into the rhythm of everything. And, uh, and I liked the bass. I liked the Paul McCartney. I like that Bruce's playing. So I, uh, I, I got a bass and I started playing then I found that I really enjoyed it. So I, I, I just, you know, whatever, whatever uh, sessions or Uh, groups wanted me to hang out or whatever it was, whatever would come up, I'd either play bass or guitar, you know? Yes. Um, I went to to Japan with a Japanese group uh, that I met in Los Angeles and played uh, some festivals over there in 1976. And uh, uh, the artist's name was Joe Yamanaka. He was half black, half Japanese. And uh, I did an album with him on Capitol Records. Yes, and uh, he—he's uh, since he died. Since that, uh, he came to see Tendishin when we were over in Japan. Excellent. And, uh, yeah, I worked with a whole bunch of different people, but uh, that was a that was a great uh, game because I—it was the first time I'd been to Japan, and I actually went to Japan and hung out with all Japanese people. I mean, I went to where they went. You know, it's like uh, it's the you know the more underground places and the 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 Stuff in the back, back in back of the curtain that you know, you know, most people don't
0: know about. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I that way, that would be nice. So, had Todd Rundgren at this stage, he had his band called Naz. So you were part of his next band called Runt, weren't you?
1: Well, he was. Yeah, it was. He had left the Naz, and uh, he had some material, uh, and and he, yeah, uh, uh, because of that meeting uh, in New York. When he came to California, he called me and he said, would you and Hunt like to do an album with me? I'm coming out to do my first solo album. I said, sure, yeah, sure, we'd love to do it. And uh, so we, he came out and we went into the studio and uh, we started to record. And uh, after we had actually finished everything, then he, I said, so what are you going to call it? He said, I'm going to call it Runt. You know, he said, you know what a runt is, right? It's the smallest of the litter. I said, that's good. It's... <laughs> that works. He said, you know, that would be a good name for a band. I said, well, uh, you know, let's call it a runt. Let's call it the group runt, you know. It was yes. a three beats, you know. But uh, that's what we called it, uh, insofar as there was no other name for other than Todd Rundgren, or uh, well, the Todd Rundgren group.
0: Yeah, know? and, and the, uh, these were songs that had been inspired by Laura Nero, weren't they? was this yeah the the, Laura Laura Nero yes so were these right
1: give me once I gotta give a glass of water give me a second
0: okay you have got pants on hurrah (laughs) all right let's hit the pause button
1: yeah I wish I I'm having trouble hearing you I wish I could hear you it's just such a
0: it's such a sound. It's such a yes. I can. I can hear everything in my. You can mic. hear
1: me okay, right?
0: I can hear you, and I can hear myself really loud. Okay. So, so um, I don't know if I you. I just want
1: to... don't understand why I can't.
0: Uh... It's so close.
1: Well, see, I've got you full. There's me full screen, and
0: there. Let's see. Did it? Did it?
1: There's you full screen. Yes. But I can't get the volume.
0: The volume.
1: I can't get the volume uh, thing to come up.
0: Yeah, I can't the For some audio. reason,
1: it's, it's not me, it's not you know. I mean, the screen...
0: Yes, can you... Did it? Did it? Can you hear wait, wait me? A oh.
1: wait, a, wait a second. Wait th- a second. I can fix it, I think. We're good on this. If I... Do 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 do. Yeah, it just won't. <laughs> Hurrah! Right.
0: Got... God, that's such a relief. Um, otherwise, I was going to have to learn to do sign language. But look. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so this was the early '70s. Todd Rungren was quite a hot shot at this point. But you did two albums, didn't you? With Runt.
1: We did three albums. We did uh, Runt. Uh, the Ballad of Todd Rundgren, and then something, anything, and then we uh, started Utopia with God. Um, about seven years before, he he uh, actually took Utopia, we we did it and took it out on the road. We, we get we put it together, and with a French guy named Jean-Yves Labat, he played synthesizers, and um, he would he would he was in this geodetic dome on stage and Hunt had his drum set up on top of it. Right. So Hunt was sitting up about 10 feet in the air and, uh, and Todd and I were on either side of this dome and it was a good band. It was, yeah, we, we wrote some good stuff. Uh,
0: you were uh, you were both incredibly young, weren't you, at this stage in your life? So uh, in Hunt- I
1: guess I was 17, Hunt was 15, I think.
0: Which was yeah. quite amazing. I mean, did yeah. you did you manage to navigate the early years of rock and roll during that period?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it was good. We didn't have any problem. I
0: mean, yeah, we
1: were we were brought up in the entertainment industry, so we were around a lot of people all the time. Yes. And, uh, so we didn't have any problem with that. I mean, neither of us are really shy, so we have to worry about that. Yeah.
0: No. And did you meet the guys from Sparks at this stage? Because did Todd start working well,
1: I, I met I met the band. We were rehearsing in the recording studio that we were using. And uh, um, we hung out with Lelan Helm a little bit. Um, there was a, a restaurant in Woodstock called Dini's. It was like sort of the local hangout for all the musicians and everybody. Yes, and we we would after we would were, were record or whatever we'd go hang out there, and, uh, and that's when I was still uh, drinking and whatever, so we'd drink some beers there, and go crazy, you know. Yes. And uh, but uh, I met some uh, I met Doctor John up there. I met uh, Paul Butterfield, uh, the guys in the band. Um, I I can't remember anybody else
0: yeah and did you um at that at that stage you know the early 70s obviously Uh there was a bit there was a big shock, you know, with the 60s, you know, especially the three people like Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin or Diane. And then the 60s kind of finish, and the 70s appears, and there's there's kind of the world of glam rock, like I mentioned in the UK, and then there's kind of a bit of heavy rock with people like Black Sabbath, and then the prog rocks people started. How did you start navigating that period of your own musical kind of?
1: Well, before the before the glam rock and, all, and the progressive rock and that, uh, there were uh, Regular rock bands like Savoy Brown and uh um uh, we used to hang out at the Fillmore East in New York City right and uh and we'd go every every Friday or Saturday night the Fillmore East and see somebody we we met Bill Graham there and uh and we'd go to Fillmore East and hang out I actually met uh um uh Uh, Guys, so I guess I met the guys from Led Zeppelin there and uh, their road manager, Richard Cole, who unfortunately just died recently. And um, um, we were hanging out. I was hanging out in front of the the, uh, Fillmore East and I had a couple of uh, uh, Marshall Stacks amplifiers and he said he was road managing for Jeff Beck too at the same time. And I heard him say to somebody, I, don't, I might have to cancel the show because I don't. My amps got lost at the airport. And I said I've got a couple of stacks. He said you do. I said, yeah. He can borrow my amps. Jeff can use my amps. Nice. So he he got a, he got a roadie to get in a van and drive up the to my my house and take my amps down to Fillmore. And uh, Jeff used my amps at night, so I got to see the show for free.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice little bit of bargaining. Then, yeah. then as the the seventies progressed, when did you yeah. when did you start to sort of meet more the punk world? Because obviously there was the kind of that
1: wasn't that wasn't until seventy seven, seventy late seventy six. You know, I mean, and the punk thing was was uh, I mean primarily uh, uh, rooted in England, where, where the kids. Uh, were were rebelling for the fact that they weren't making enough money and they couldn't get good jobs and and that, that you know the fucking queen was uh, not paying attention to, to what was going on because she was probably too old yeah and, uh, you know uh, uh, it was it was rough in England at that point uh, I know so they started uh, they started backlash you know yeah. it, it didn't it, it didn't have it didn't start in America the punk thing
0: no, but you did. You, yeah. I suppose. You, I suppose you had the garage rock scene, didn't you? The the famous Nuggets compilation that we all love, like the misunderstood and the Sonics and people like that, and Randy yeah. Holden. So, uh, um,
1: yeah, we had uh, we, we had everything on stage, but, but something like that that movement, like a punk movement or or whatever, it's that was primarily rooted in England, you know? Yeah. Because when it, by the time, uh American kids said, "Okay, we're punks." I mean. They weren't. They they were they were emulating uh, punks, you know. Yes. Because they didn't have the same strife and stuff that the kids in England had. I know that. I mean, I know. I, I worked with Steve Jones. He told me about it too. You know. <laughs> yes. I, I Had a band with Steve Jones called Checker Past.
0: I can. I, I've I've listened to it. Yes. Did yeah. you did you see his six part docu- um piece on Disney? No, his... I
1: haven't seen that
0: no that. i haven't I haven't seen either. I have to confess actually, but the interesting thing is when did you because your first recordings with Iggy and James was kills on the Killed City wasn't it
1: um, yeah i um james was a, a friend of mine and um and we'd we'd go we'd hang out you know we were rolling together quite a bit and uh, and I, I had met uh, uh, Jimmy Iggy, and uh, but he was pretty fucked up at the time when I met him, when I first met him. He had a, he had uh he had a problem uh that he, that hadn't been taken care of yet. And um so James and I, who both of us had problems too, believe me. And and uh uh we were hanging and, and one day I, uh, James said to me, you know, I uh, Iggy's going to Berlin to do a uh an album with uh David, I think I said, "Gee, that sounds great." So then uh, I said, "That's. I hope that works out for him." You know, I mean, David really took took Eddie off the street, and mm. uh, uh, he uh, he sort of commandeered a, a comeback for him. You know, yeah. so so my we we uh, David and and Sales Brothers shared a, an attorney at one point, and uh, a guy named Stan Diamond. And one day he called me and he said. I got a call from David um, in, in Berlin and he said that uh, uh, Iggy had played him a Kill City album, and he wanted to know who those two black guys were saying in the background. And I said, yeah, those weren't black guys, that's the Sales Brothers. And uh, David said, I want them over here. I want them to come over. They play bass and drums, right? He said, I want them to come over here right away. So then about a week later we were in Berlin
0: Yes, was that your first time in Europe? Was that your first time in Germany, Berlin, Europe?
1: Um, I, I guess, it, yeah, it was a, it was the first time in Europe.
0: Yes, yeah. and you were and, recording, and, and you were recording at the famous studio, weren't you, Hansen.
1: Hansen, yeah, by the wall, and which was, I mean, that in itself uh, just blew my mind that there were still guards up there with machine guns and stuff, you know. And, and they had pictures of people that had been killed trying to get across and the whole, you know, all the drama, you know, all the drama. But at the time I'm, I was too loaded. I didn't really care. Yes. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was interesting. You know, we'd go, David and I would go out and look at these guys and, uh, and make fun of them. You know, yes. but, uh, it, uh, it was, it was quite a trip. And, uh,
0: and did you? And at that stage, had the songs been written, or were they kind of being composed when you were when you arrived?
1: Well, they 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 were, I'd say maybe three quarters written, you know, um, or half written. We'd go in the studio, like the, the when we went in to cut the actual "Lust for Life" track, we went in and cut the track, and, and we got that uh, fairly quickly. I, I mean, the, the uh, the uh, communication between the, all of the musicians on that album was was great. And we all it was like a, a brothers thing. Yes. And uh, you know, we we really uh, put it down quickly. But what, what what was so impressive to me was that I, I we'd go back in the, into the control room and listen to the playback, you know. And so then Iggy said, I'm gonna try something, I'm gonna try vocal. So he went out and he sang a, a whole vocal through the whole thing. And then uh, he came in and he said, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to go out and I'm gonna do another, I'm gonna go out and do a completely different thing. I mean, it's a, right off the cuff. And I thought, Jesus, this guy's such an artist. What an awesome thing to watch, you know, He's a poet, you know, and, and I, I, I was really appreciative of that. I just, I love that so much. And uh and David would say, "No, take that line out. no, don't no, get in, get in the thing. No, don't start there. Don't do that." And, and we all would laugh and stuff. But he'd go in there and do a complete different, uh, uh, st- you know, uh, v- whole verse, the whole thing. And it was just, uh, it was thrilling to watch. Really yes. You know.
0: And was that the first time you met David on that tour? Um, no, I met uh, I,
1: had met, pa- I had met David at uh, Mexis Kansas City, in New York. When I was working with Todd Rundgren, right, um, uh, and and Max's was the uh, hangout in New York. Uh, everybody was there, but uh, so all the Andy Warhol people, all the uh, Iggy hung out there. That's actually yes. where he opened his chest up with a broken bottle. Was yeah. at that that club on stage? You
0: know. There you go. So were you were you quite sort of had you also gone to Max's not Max's Kansas CBGB's as well.
1: No, I, ne- I never went to CBGB's. I actually really? never went there. No. Um, I I, had, I didn't have any attraction to go. But mm. uh, but I never I actually never went there. So oh, I'm friends with uh, Chris and, and Debbie, Blondie, you know? Yes. Uh, and uh, Clem Burke, uh, it's, uh, we're friends. And he's actually going to come over to England. We're going to do the – he might really? still be there. He was uh, touring with Blondie. He's going to come over and do those dates with, with me.
0: And he was yeah. in check and he was in checkered past as he well. He was in checkered yeah.
1: past as well. Yeah,
0: he did that. So, what was the tour like with Iggy and David after to promote Lust for Life?
1: Uh, it was nuts. <laughs> it was, it was really wild. I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy.
0: Yes, yeah. How did. You, it was, fun. I mean,
1: it, was, it was fine. It was, it was fine. It was, it was. Uh, Really rewarding uh, artistically, uh, uh, yeah. But uh, and I know it was great for for uh, Iggy because he finally got back up, you know, yeah. he was standing up again. You know,
0: when you're in the when you're in the studio and you record the, you know, the, a lot of those songs on the album. Did you think, God, these are amazing? Because you must have. been... When we the...
1: heard Lust for Life," all of us, when when Lust for Life" came back in the playback, we all looked at each other, and went. Motherfucker, you know, <laughs> listen to that. You know, yes. it was awesome. Hunt's drums, I, I, the drums on there's they're fantastic. The, the, the uh, opening, Unless for Life, it's just uh, that's why I used it in Paint Spotting, you know. Yes,
0: well, absolutely. But, I mean, it's 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 up there with any of the classic rock pop songs of our absolutely, time. absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's one of the best rock albums ever made songs, right? Yes. You know?
0: You can't, you can't beat it. But then, as the late seventies go on, you have a horrendous accident. So you were virtually yeah. That- about
1: nineteen seventy nine, they found me uh, in my car with a stick shift through my chest, and uh, I was unconscious, and uh, I I uh, remained in a coma for about uh, three and a half weeks, almost almost a month, at at, at Cedar Sinai Hospital in Los Angeles, and. Uh, uh, that was had just that was just uh, after I had uh, toured England with with Iggy and uh, I came back and I, I actually met an English girl uh, in London and I brought her back and we got married. And uh, and there I was. Uh, uh, they told uh, they, they said that it didn't look like I was going to stay alive, but um, I guess they were wrong. Yes, um, they, they were wrong. Yeah and uh, uh so uh, what was so the, what it, how, it, how did it, you
0: how did you have the accident
1: Uh I was coming down Laurel Canyon a, a steep incline and it was raining and uh oh uh, actually the uh, the guy riding shotgun in the car with me was Brian Ray who plays guitar with McCartney now Right uh, he had played the guitar with the Sales brothers and uh, so we we're in the car and, and the car went into a hydroplane from the uh, oil slick on the road. And I also had been drinking. So I, I mean, I, I, you know, I take total responsibility for this. And uh, so the car started to head towards a telephone pole. And um, another car went through a red light and hit the back of my car and sent me Directly into this telephone pole at about sixty-five miles an hour. Um, I mean, the car was just flying by this point, you know, uh, flying over the water. And uh, the next thing I knew, I woke up. Uh, I'd been in a coma all the time, and also you know, I, I didn't know where the hell I was. Yes. And, uh, but I knew that I, after about fifteen seconds, it started to hurt. I was. I had I busted a lot of my ribs and uh, they had done exploratory surgery on me and I hadn't lost any any organs thank god and, did you uh,
0: did you make a full recovery or do you still have injury do you still have pain from that in accident
1: i've been in pain i've been in pain for uh, 39 years from that, um and i don't i don't take uh i mean i th- I'll take pain medication if it's too too painful you know I'm not a martyr but i but i uh but I am an addict, I can't take stuff. I don't want to trip off anything. You wake up the monster,
0: you know. Yes. No, no. Because no, 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 then no. the
1: monster no. takes me where the monster wants me to go.
0: So that's not that's probably best best to keep it in the cupboard. Um yeah. <laughs> so, so so in the early 80s, I mean, obviously the music scene changes again, doesn't it? And suddenly you you as a musician you have to slightly follow the not follow it, but, you know, there's a whole new game. Well, thing. you
1: know, yeah, you got to, as much as you can do. I mean, you know, it's a, God knows I'm not black, so when I went into rap, I was fucked. So, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I uh, but that doesn't mean they don't need a good rhythm section. It doesn't mean they don't need a good producer or, or, or uh, you know, assistant writers or whatever. I mean, there's always uh, ways to be involved.
0: So was 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 the checkered path the first kind of musical adventure you had after Iggy?
1: Um, I think that, well, the Sales Brothers was the first that we we cut. Um, I, I had this house in in a canyon in uh, called Beechwood Canyon, and uh, the house was built on top of a swimming pool. what was a swimming pool that mm. had been it had been. Uh, framed and, and uh, carpeted. And there was a fireplace there. And But there was a, uh, it was, I turned it into a recording studio. So it was a studio underneath the house. And uh, uh, so Hunt and I would go down there and, and uh, write music and record. So we'd cut the uh, Sales Brothers' uh, Hired Guns, what, what was to become a Hired Gun CD, we, we recorded it in my home.
0: Yes, and
1: and and wrote some stuff there, and uh, did you know? Did were uh, ridiculously partying on? You know, like like it, it'll never end. And uh, I mean, I you know, I drink and use drugs like they're going to stop making them. You know, but uh, so I mean, I, I had this uh, ridiculous. And uh, you know, so 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 that the sales brothers was the first thing. Then. Uh, then checkered past was after that. Um, yeah, we, uh, Michael Debar, uh, uh who sang a silverhead and detective. Yes. Uh, 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 his wife was, uh, Pamela, De- Pamela Debar my, was, was a girlfriend of mine years ago. Yes. And, and, uh, um, so I, she introduced me to Michael and, um, and he said, I, "I want to get a band together. Would you be interested?" I'd say, "Sure." Yeah. He said, "Yeah, I've got Steve Jones and whatever." And I said, "Okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. all right." And so uh, we 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 all met, and uh, Clem uh, Burke and Nigel Harrison from Blondie, and uh, and we started playing around Los Angeles at the clubs in L.A., Madame Wong's and uh, the Whiskey and uh, places like that.
0: Was this was and, this kind of like a, a kind of a bit of a, I don't know, a showbiz band who who was kind of because um, it you you've got some pretty yeah.
1: Well exciting... we had all all of us we had done we had experience, but but I mean I wouldn't say it was particularly showbiz. I mean we were uh you know, we were like uh I don't even I don't know how old I'm I must have been 33 years old or something. I was pretty young. Yeah. And uh all of us were pretty young at that point, but i it wasn't, uh, you know, we all just liked to uh, play. And so we weren't hearing the kind of music that we liked, so we just started make, making it, you know, yeah. which, was the, which was the same uh, 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 thinking that uh, David and I had about tin Machine. And we, said, we, we don't, we're not hearing the music that we like, so why don't we just create it, you know?
0: Yeah, because the eighty the eighties was quite a tricky period, wasn't it, for a lot of yeah. people? Because because yeah. you you know in the UK you know we had a lot of different styles and there was a lot of kind of I suppose the indie scene with bands like the Smiths and you had Susie and the Banshees and and that kind of post punk sound and you had some goth bands. But the main sh- the main charts had that kind of Trevor Horn production, wasn't there? That was very like you yeah, know, it was
1: polished. It was it, you know. Now, Chicken Pass wasn't that way.
0: It wasn't but, that way at all, was it? No,
1: it? no, it wasn't. And 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 but 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 a lot of bands had that that, that glistening polish, that '80s thing around, you know, which I hated. But, yes. Uh, yes. And you know, but it wasn't just the music. It was it was the the uh, finances of the world. It was you know what was going on. Uh, in uh, you know there there was uh, there was um uh, 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 depressions happening everywhere. Yes, you know? but and, but, uh, but
0: we had that. And that also lends had... itself to that punk
1: thing that I'm talking about earlier you yes. know, in England.
0: You know. But it, what's what's quite an interesting, I find that um, seeing sort of various uh, musical moments. I mean, an artist that can be big in one decade, often struggles in the next. And with David, say, you know, his 70s work, fantastic. The early 80s, he did Let's Dance, pretty good. But then there was Tonight and Never Let Me Down, wasn't there, on um, the next album, which is kind of quite painful. So when, so he definitely was kind of not, not sort of finding the zeitgeist. I know he
1: he wasn't happy, you know, he he really wasn't happy, Uh, he wanted to change.
0: Uh, yes. His, his so direction. when when did when did you meet David in the sem- uh, in the eighties to talk uh, about?
1: I, I guess I ran into him. Uh, somebody told me he was going to be at a. Um, it was a Friday night, and somebody told me he was going to be at a uh, club in Hollywood uh, for a uh, rap party for the Let's Dance tour. Um, I think it was the Let's Dance tour. I Forget. What, I I think. I think it was one of his whatever. It was one yeah. of his tours, you know. There um, was Let's
0: Dance, and there was the Glass Spider tour, which was quite. It remarkable. was
1: a Glass Spider tour. That's what it was. It was yeah. a Glass Spider tour. It was Glass something. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so they said, yeah, he's going to be at this place. It's like a warehouse and thing. I said, well, I, you know, what am I? I didn't want to go down there. It's going to be like. 2 o'clock in the morning I don't want to go down there so I'm on my way home and I thought yeah go ahead and say hi to him man you, you know who knows when you see him again so I go by this place and I walk in and it was loud music and it was you know with a couple hundred people there and I looked in over in the corner in the room and David was crouching in the corner like hiding from everybody and I walked over to him I said hey man I, I think maybe you ought to yeah, you know, stand up. And he went, Hey Tony, I was just thinking about you know let's say let's go back to my room. I I got an idea about something I want to talk to you about. I said, Okay, let's go. So we left the party and we went to his hotel room. And he said, Listen, I got this guitar player, and I've been thinking about this since we did lots for Life. I, I got this guitar player and I want you and Hunt, we should put a band together. I think we should get a band together. And I said, Are you ready to be in a band now? He said, Yeah, I'm I, I wanna i am gonna change what's going on with me? You know, and, and, I, and you guys are awesome. I want to get, yeah, and you'll love this guitar player. He's uh, Reeves. He's great. And I said, cool. And he said, uh, let's go to Switzerland uh, next week and we can start recording. I thought, I went, jeez, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah, it's, it was a garage band with a budget. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about uh, uh having money i mean it certainly it gives you more control over your uh destiny sometimes that's dangerous but you can do whatever you want to do so uh i said sure let's do let's go Let's, let's start trying to do something so uh we called hunt up and i said should i call the drummer up he said you call the drummer and i called hunt and uh and we uh we were in in uh, Montreux, Switzerland, about a week later, 10 days later.
0: Yes. And did you do and much rehearsing before you went into the studio?
1: No, none. None. We we uh, We went. We record, wrote and recorded 36 songs in about six weeks. And uh, there's a whole album in the can still. Um, I don't know how long it may remain in the can. I don't know. That's up to David's uh, estate. But uh, there, there is a whole album uh, there. That uh, Tim Palmer uh, co-produced with us.
0: Yes, Tim Palmer. I did an interview with him last year. So was that a? Because you must have worked with a lot of different producers, and he he'd done some fantastic work in the '80s. Was that did was that a good vibe working on that? Oh yeah,
1: I, Tim. I love Tim. He's great. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, he had worked with David before, but he, he was uh, he was great in the studio. It was a lot of fun. He, a lot of he was he was very easy. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, would throw in ideas about sound and and just his his main vibe was there. You know, it was uh, very very non intrusive. It was very cool. Yes. So, so it worked out. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with Bob Ezrin, uh, Todd Rundgren. Um, I mean, I, a lot of people. I you know. Yeah. A lot, absolutely. A lot of producers.
0: But oh, were you? Right. Yeah, I mean, right. on that on the first Tim Machine record, there were some fantastic songs. I mean, you do "Under the God," "Crack City," the you know the song yeah. Machine. You do a brilliant version of you know John Lennon's "Working Class Hero." Was there a right. was there a really fresh vibe in that kind of session that you did with David and uh, Hunt and and um, yes. yeah? Yeah, it, it was it was it was it was it was uh, it was all very
1: improvisational. It was all sort of just in the moment, you know, which was, which I love because that's to me that's 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 why music works because you're right there in the moment. There's no you know unless you're playing some top forty band, which I'm not. And you know, I, I every show was different with the machine. Every single show, you know, and uh, all over the world, it was different everywhere. So I mean, you can hear it on on the recordings.
0: Yes, absolutely. Some nights it
1: was some nights it was awesome. Other nights you know, you might want to go throw up somewhere, but it still was pretty good. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it was just the creativity of for all of us of musicians. We all, we all really got off in the band, so it was really great. And, yes. uh, you know, so that's why we, we walked in the studio and we just kept throwing ideas out and, and, you know, one guy would take this and he'd put it over here and he'd take, put, add something to it and throw something on here and, you know, it's... Uh, it was uh, it's like like we uh, were all painting together you know it's
0: great so, cuz the follow up album i have to say i've got really fond memories of it i had a cassette in the car and i just played it all the time so i know i know it really well i mean the the sound of it is is i think kind of you know the songs are kind of getting better and the and the sound is absolutely fantastic and some of them From, you know, there's, uh, I really love the song Baby Universe, the first track, and I love Stateside and Goodbye Mr. Ed as well. I mean, did you, did you feel the band was sort of becoming a much more coherent sort of unit at this stage? Yeah,
1: well, of course. I mean, we had, we had played, uh, uh, we had toured together now, and we had uh, recorded together, and had spent more time together as a unit. And so, of course, it's going kind to of have uh, some kind of melding happening. And, uh, and and we happen to all get along pretty much, you know, uh, it's, uh, as much as you can. Uh, um, so, I, so the conversation musically was there, you know. Yeah, and um, uh, um, it, 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 seemed, it was easier. And that second up, but at the same time, then uh we were with j v c and uh um i mean something happened with uh j v c or i am not really I, i'm forgetting what had happened with it but uh second album they stopped uh pressing it you know right and then, i mean so it went it went right in the right in the toilet you know and um and David decided that he was gonna do uh, another uh david Bowie tour so that would give us all a, a uh, uh, some time off after two, doing a couple of world tours. We needed some time off, and uh, so he said, "Well, yeah." And David wouldn't stop. He he just kept going. I mean, he, he was uh, really the energizer of money. He just keep going all the time. And, um, and I, I you know I I, uh, I I don't think it was good for his health, but you know he he can do what he wants.
0: Yes, you know? absolutely. Do you feel the Tim machine? period for yourself and for David. Do you feel like that sort of gave him another fresh spark again to sort of go into the next decade?
1: Yeah, I feel so. I feel I feel that it helped. I think, I think that it helped him to take a take a, a breath, and you know, take a breath and and to not have to be David Bowie and that he could you know and it was interesting because we did like 800 interviews. And every time we did an interview with with a, a magazine or a radio station, where we'd go, David, why? Why are you doing this? Why? What the, and we'd look and we go, hey, why? What, what are you talking about? He's a musician, he's a writer, he's an artist. Yes. And, he's, and he's trying to create something else with some guys, you know, and, and I think he created some peace of mind for himself with us, and uh, he wrote some really great tunes with us. And, uh, He took some time off and and, uh, while we were recording and and, uh, um, I mean, it's like when he wrote Amlapura, he he did a virgin in, uh, in Thai. He sang it in Thai, you know. I don't know if you've heard that.
0: Yes. Is that the kind of last track on side one? Yeah. Oh Yes. It's the one that's after the Brian Ferry track, isn't it? if there's something, yeah. yes, no, it was, you know, I just, I just remember listening to that album a lot and thinking, God, this is brilliant, because spe- especially compared to the two albums before that he put, put out, which weren't quite so brilliant, were they, we don't go back to them, do we? So, um, yes, that's always, and you were, just briefly, you recorded those in Sydney and also in LA as well, so was that? Uh... It was
1: Sydney, it was Sydney, the Bahamas and uh, New York and LA. We uh, we went down to the Bahamas and recorded some there, and uh, we recorded. Yeah, Sydney was the main uh, stay where we were recording and writing, but uh, but we went all over the place. We wanted to change the, our surroundings, which would change our head, so we would yeah uh, work differently, you know, and uh, and, and that, that too, that too, it was within the budget to do that. I mean, we got we got a lot of money for. Uh, the album so um how um,
0: it, how do you how do you manage to sort of cope emotionally with you know you would sort of work on one project really you know solidly and then that finishes and then you've got a bit of a break and then you have another solid you know another solid bit but it's of not
1: it's not easy sometimes I mean you know it's, uh, um I, I uh, not now but I, I I mean my kids have kids now but I had uh, I had three kids uh uh, at the, I guess in the early or the late '70s or early '80s, I had uh, I had a family. So you know, it, when 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 the the uh, when the uh, money's cut off when it's not coming in, it makes it difficult because mm-hmm. the bills don't stop. You know, they don't care what I do at the store. They just want me to pay for my food. You know, yes
0: absolutely and, and so
1: they don't care if i play if i'm playing music or if i'm waiting for something else to happen <laughs> you know they don't care what. but yeah and 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 getting off the of tour i was on the last tour i was on for a year and when you're on a tour for a year it's like you're in prison you know i mean you don't you don't really see anything else outside the window it's, mm-hmm. it's all you see is the all you see is the barbed wire you know you don't Beyond that, you don't see you, you get one night, you know, There's one and a half hours. that's great every day, and that's when you're on stage. And the rest of it is like you're waiting. You're waiting to go on stage. You're doing you're doing interviews. You whatever it is, you know. Picking, yeah. you're cleaning up, you know. And uh, a- so when you get home, and then then you have time to to uh, get back into your normal routine. And uh, it, it you know takes a little air out of you being on the road for a year.
0: I would imagine. So then, how do you, what what happens for the rest of the '90s? How do you navigate the next period?
1: Um, I, I had a uh, I put it together a band with Harry Dean Stanton, the actor Harry Dean Stanton.
0: Yes, and, cheap and cheap dates. With,
1: uh, cheap dates: Skunk Baxter and Slim June Phantom, and uh, a guitar player named Jamie James. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, we uh, we we put a band together and we did a bunch of gigs around California and recorded dep I, I don't know if you've heard it
0: you know? no, I haven't heard that one yeah, it it's,
1: crazy. yeah you get it online at cheap dates and uh and it was a trip working with Harry i mean he's uh because he's you know he's I mean he's a really good actor but his his thing was uh he drank a little too much and uh, you know and but but he he uh he was very creative and uh, had a great voice a great singing voice, and uh, I enjoyed working with him. I, yes, well, well
0: in, the we, in the 80s, we all loved the film Paris, Texas, so I think that was the introduction yeah. we had to right. Harry's voice. And Slim Jim has played with, obviously, the Stray Cats, but he was also in a band with Lemmy as well, wasn't he? So he's played with just about everybody. Yeah,
1: he's played with some people,
0: yeah. He's played with a lot of people. Then, so, so with your, just from that then the last twenty years what's what's how have you managed to navigate that period until you've got this next project that's um tom Tom has put together You
1: know, um to, I, I I don't know i mean there's things going on i i was I'm an actor as well I was doing television commercials uh i i, I did a bunch of Budweiser commercials and uh, uh different things you know t commercials whatever yeah, whatever they cast me in, I I, I acted in, you know. But uh, that brought me some finances to to support my family.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So with you, yeah. so just coming up to the present with your kind of next adventure, which is going to be the this is with the lust for life, isn't it? You're going to be playing this album in full with a band.
1: Yeah, and 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 some we're going to be doing some Blondie material too, and. Uh, uh, and some songs that aren't uh, 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 Iggy Pop and or and are not Blondie. We'll do a couple of uh, things. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't really know uh, what the set list is going to be because we haven't uh, converged on it yet. So I don't. You know.
0: No, absolutely. And once we you... get
1: together, everybody will be thrown in.
0: I How come Hunt is not going to be part of that kind of adventure?
1: Uh, Hunt had had some other commitments going, and uh, he wanted to do it, but he had some other stuff happening. Yes. And so uh, they, I guess somebody uh, knew Clem. I don't know if it was Tom Wilcox or whoever at, at uh, counterculture. I'm not sure, but uh, but they said, "Let's get Clem." You know, I mean, I didn't even know they said, me, yeah, know, we got Clem." Like, that's great. You know? <laughs>
0: yes well you're not going to say no to that are you really so well, um, no
1: he's no he's great you
0: know? yes and just kind of on that other it's a bit of a downer I mean did you see David again before he kind of unfortunately passed
1: um I I I spoke with him uh, but I didn't see him again
0: yes did he I,
1: I, I unfortunately I didn't see him again I loved him he he was really uh uh uh, great to work with, and I was uh, very grateful for his uh, generosity for uh, to hunt and myself. Yes, and, yes. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I mean, he was a, he was really a great guy. I mean, you know, he was as difficult as everybody else, but uh, you know, he was uh, he was so uh, in, he was so original and inventive that it uh, it was just refreshing every day, you know.
0: I know. Well, I guess with with yourself and with every musician, if you stay in the sort of the the I suppose that as that as that as a career. You're going to meet a lot of different people, aren't you? And you're going sure. to have a lot of different experiences. And I, yeah. I know, I know from speaking to a few people, they got some, you know, occasional messages from David at the last year of his life. And at the time, they thought, "Oh, that's quite nice," but they didn't realise probably why he was kind of just met, so occasionally dropping a line saying, "Oh, that was great fun, wasn't it?" So, did yeah. you get any kind of slightly surprising messages?
1: No, no, I spoke to him uh, at one point, but he didn't, he didn't say, he didn't say, tell me that he was ill. You know, no, yeah. somebody else had told me that he was, but I didn't think that he would go as quick as he did. Um, I didn't know how ill he was, but uh, I knew that actually, uh, Earl Slick, who's a friend of mine, he told me that David had a heart attack on stage at uh, the Greek Theater when they played here on tour, um, um a year or so prior to him. Uh, um uh, dying. And I said, gee, what's that? Is he okay? He said, I don't know, but he had a thing and uh and uh, he got well stage and he seems to be okay. But you know when you start when things like that start happening, heart attacks and and uh you know uh lung difficulties and brain difficulties I mean that's that's uh, the byproducts of uh, addiction and uh byproducts of uh no, not taking care of oneself. So yes. that's yeah, sort of a, a red flag that there's stuff to come.
0: There is a red so, flag. But you, but you, you and, seem... Rem- so, and
1: to answer your question, to answer your question a bit more thoroughly, I, after, uh, uh, for a while, I, I stepped away from, from music for, for a while, maybe a couple of years. I went back to school and uh, was... Uh, certified as a drug and alcohol counselor we got uh training and uh i i worked at a place called the midnight mission in los angeles it's uh, like 252 uh guys off the street uh trying to rehabilitate these gentlemen and to uh, help them get jobs and to get to get a life and most of them even don't even know who their parents are but uh it's a one percent uh success rate you know very difficult <laughs> but uh, but it, it was good for me. You know.
0: Yes. Did that? Did yeah. you have to clear clean up yourself and tackle your own demons?
1: Well, I, I've been clean. I've been over uh, almost thirty nine years. So um, I, that that at least that's not a problem for me. Eh? No. <laughs> Today, you know, <laughs> and and uh, I don't have to worry about uh, running from or or, or looking for anymore. You know.
0: Yes. Was that that a difficult experience to sort of manage to sort of pull a drawbridge up?
1: Well, it's, uh, I mean, I had that car accident and that didn't stop me. I mean, you would think that that might have been enough to get my attention, but uh, uh, it didn't. You know, I was powerless over the substance, so I couldn't stop. I I couldn't think myself out of it. I had to have a uh, work with people that are in a program to help me and uh, with some doctors and, uh, and by the grace of God, I have, I haven't had to go back to uh, anything that I was doing. Yeah, you know, I, there's nothing to go back to, you know?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, did, I mean, I mean, you and Hunt have managed to survive, you know, probably one of the most difficult kind of years. Yeah, careers, yeah we've I've
1: lost a lot of people, a lot of people over the years. I've lost a lot of people, a lot of lovers, a lot of people I worked with, you know, it's uh, it's an equal opportunity disease that kills everybody.
0: It it, it it doesn't it doesn't take anybody, does it? No prisoners. And how did you and did your sort of parents get to see you, kind of become successful in in music after you know obviously sales was.
1: Yes, my actually my father Iggy was a big fan of Supi. and so when we played New York at the Academy of Music, I asked Supi to come down and introduce us. And uh, which was the first time he had, or only, only time that he had met Tubi, and he said that Tubi, uh, Tubi used to do this stick in his show, he had this segment where he had uh, he'd go over to the blackboard on the wall, and he'd say okay, in 25 words or less, uh, this is he would do something, he'd say be true to your teeth, and they won't be false to you, you know, that kind of joke's like that, and uh, um, he said, I, this the 25 kids at home, you know, write th- write your your ideas out 25 words or less. So Iggy said to him, you know, when you say that 25 words or less, that's what I do. That's what I I use that in my songs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and uh, and and uh, Yes. Iggy was impressed with that, but he he was uh, it was Iggy was thrilled to meet him. And uh and uh yeah, it was all good.
0: It was all good. I mean, you you know, he gets, you know, he, he actually lives a very long, age, you know, to an old age, doesn't he? So you did sort of spend all your, virtually most of your adult life with him kind of in the background. Well,
1: he, he he left the family uh, years ago, so he didn't, he, he, he wasn't hanging with us. He lived in New York. We lived in Los Angeles. But, uh, I mean, he left when I was 13 or something, you know. And, uh, but... Uh, yeah, you know, every year when he would come out to LA, we'd have dinner. Yes, some way to some way to be in contact, you know. But so, uh, his main his main focus was him. So you know, he was he was a dedicated entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> but he was I'll just say that he was very dedicated, and, and uh, you know, and I and I respected him for that. I respected his ambition, but. Uh, that's where that go ends, you know.
0: Yeah, um, it's tricky, isn't
1: it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and he comes from another time. It's another whole other thing. I mean, he, he used to. Uh, he was in the Navy, and he was on a ship in the Navy. Uh, uh, I mean, they had a, a plane crashed on the ship, and they Tuba had to clean it up. He had to clean up what was, there were bodies in there and the whole thing, you know. Yes. But he he didn't have an easy time of it. And I, and I know, and a lot of guys. Uh, of that generation, were uh, you know, had to show up and had to work and had to do their thing. They weren't uh, musicians on the road. I mean, not that that's not work, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, they weren't hanging on Woodstock. You know, they were. It was. It was uh, take care of business.
0: It was tricky. It was tricky. I mean, if you could have said something to your, like, 16 or 18-year-old self starts now, is there anything that you would have kind of whispered in their ear, even if they ignored you, but you would have thought, yeah, a couple of good pointers here.
1: You mean now?
0: Well, if you could have spoke to that young person, your your younger self, you know. Oh, my younger self? Yes.
1: I would have said, you know, watch where you're going because you're truly going to arrive where you're headed, you
0: know. Yes. And did you ever, you know, have you ever sort of had a period where you just thought, God, I wish I'd never played music? Or has no, that?
1: No, I've never had that. I've never had that thought. You know, uh, I've I've had thoughts of yeah, which I didn't have to pawn my instrument occasionally. You know, when I was younger, to uh, to support my habit, but uh, but that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's all I, for me. It's all about growing up. You know, I mean, I, and and uh, I happen to be uh, born uh, an addict. Uh, I don't think it's something that you catch. I think you can catch that. <laughs> I think one is has that. Uh, I think I'm chemically uh, different than other people. You know, uh, and the the problem is if I take something, I can't stop taking it. Where people that don't have a disease. And go, oh sure, I'll have some of that and that's it. Go ahead and touch it again for another seven years. Yes. And then I take something, I, I do it for another seven years. So it's you know.
0: So it just, is, it is just, kind of you know, It is bizarre. You work with Iggy Pop and then David Bowie. It's like two people who I mean at that stage, it must they 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 were having their own issues, weren't they?
1: Well, yeah, like everybody else, you know, and, and we all, you know, I'm I'm we all partied together. I mean, I, I, I've known, I knew David 40 years. I mean, you know, I know, I as well. I've known him 35. So,
0: yes. So. Do you kind um, of, or, I, on, with the Lust for Life album, do you ever sort of think, God, I wish we'd got sort of more writing credits for sort of contributing to the sound of that?
1: Um, I don't know. I think, I think we got the credit. I think anybody that, uh, anybody that is listening to it, uh, here's the bass and drums. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it was a uh, project between David and Iggy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Fall in Love with Me, I brought that to the table. They wanted to do that. They liked that one. Um, uh, it was a guitar lick that I had. And uh, Jimmy started singing, you know, A Table Made of Wood. How I Wish You Would Fall in Love with Me, you know? <laughs> And, uh, but uh, th- that's how that came about. And I think, fall in love with me, I played guitar, Hunt played bass, and uh, uh, Stacey Hayden played drums, I think. Right. Yeah, you know, I funny. believe the guitar player, Stacey Hayden, a guitar, a Canadian guitar player. Yeah. He played drums. So we all switched around and did that. And, and, and Carlos Alomar was this dude, he played a little slide on it amazing and, uh, yeah it's good track and uh, but but we all were uh, uh creating that album you know
0: yes it's it's uh, you know it's just kind of it's got that kind of iconic quality that decades later they'll still be listening to it won't they yeah. i mean do, during the lockdown period which is obviously kind of like feels like it's ages ago now did you start to sort of think about writing some memoir or some biography of your life
1: yeah, I've, I've already started a book, but I, I uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's difficult, actually, to write a book on oneself, I find, you know, I mean, it's, you know, to, to do uh, uh, seven hours of talking about yourself every day is a little much, you know, <laughs> I, I you know, uh, it's, uh, but, I, but, and and it, it pulls up all kinds. It pulls up. I pull up everything in my life, you know. So, going through that emotionally is it's quite taxing sometimes. Yes. But well, I've got a book that I'm writing, an uh, uh, autobiography, and uh, you know, at some point I'll I'll do something. Maybe maybe I will. Maybe I'm, you know, it's, it's all.
0: It's all part of the process. Well, look, Tony, thank I, you ever so much for this. This has been amazing. And um, I'm glad we... I appreciate the... you
1: asking me, David. I, oh, no. Yeah. And, when and, you
0: and, to, and when you come I'm to noise... I'm glad that you
1: were, you were so easy uh, to get, so we could get the, the picture up and the sound
0: That helped. I know. <laughs> it was great. Otherwise, it would have been a bit difficult. But look, if, if you want... Because I'm always... Yes, that's what I'm confused about. You've got a few different Facebook pages, haven't you? You've got Tony uh-huh. F. Cells. And then then you've got another one.
1: I've got uh, yeah, Anthony Sales.
0: Yes,
1: my son's name is is Anthony too. So it makes uh, he's a drummer. He he he's he's uh, plays with the Flaming Groovies. Does he? Yeah, he's a great, fantastic drummer. He's like his uncle Hunt. You know, he's great. So what's his name? His name is Tony Sales.
0: Tony Sales. Oh yeah. right. So there's a yeah, lot But thoughts. he
1: goes he goes as Anthony Sales. So
0: okay. God damn. This is this is this is why I was getting a bit confused thinking. How many are there? So um, <laughs>
1: no, this, it's just I have two or three pages that I just made up to whatever. Yeah, you know, but as I'm just playing with the computer, but he's got his own website and his own family and his whole thing going. I mean, I've got four grandkids now, you know. Yes, uh, It's funny. My daughter had two sons and my son had three daughters. So, so yeah. that's a, that's I covered a, all the bases.
0: That's a lot of birthdays to remember, isn't it? <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. And do you have a good relationship with all of them?
1: Yes. Yes. That's amazing. I, I, I love my grandkids too. They're, they're amazing. And uh, But my, my kids are, uh, are gods and wonderful people. I'm, I'm a very, very fortunate person. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. This is this is good. And um look, when you come to Norwich, I'll come and see and um
1: good. Say hello. Yeah, please do. You know?
0: I will. Look, I hope it goes good with the project. I hope the rest of the year goes well as well. I hope it's not get too hot in um what's it palm desert? Uh,
1: yeah, it's like 111 today.
0: That's pretty hot. It's a bit hot isn't it? Anyway, look, I'll let you go. Yeah, thank
1: goodness I, I pay the air bill. conditioning bill,
0: you know? yeah. Yeah, I know that would be good. That would be horrendous. <laughs> anyway, look, take care and thanks a lot, Tony. Okay, mate, I, I enjoyed it. Thank Take you. Take care. Cheers. Bye bye. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview, just in case you weren't sure. A massive thank you to Tony Sales for giving me the time for that interview, which was very exciting. And um, yes, on so many levels. Anyway, this has been the C86 Show on David E. So if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do C86 Show. Keep it positive. Keep it groovy, because frankly, Mr Shankly, life's too short. And um, also, all these interviews have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean,
1: C86 Show, fill your boots. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.